I have to hand it to my team. They work phenomenally well as a group. They rely on each other. There's a high level of integrity. There's a lot of open thinking. They're not afraid to take risks and make decisions, even if they don't have as much data as they would like. And just creating and fostering an environment where that kind of behavior and teamwork exists puts you in a very good position. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Breakline Arena. We are so grateful that you are here. The Breakline Arena is a space that welcomes changemakers, hustlers, and leaders in the tech industry to share their journeys and passions and insights. We are hosted by Breakline Education, which serves to help top performers from underselected backgrounds land new and exciting roles in the tech industry. If you're a person of color or a veteran or a woman, there's info in the show notes about how to join our community. Now let's dive into the arena for today's special guest. Welcome, Breakline community. This is Ronnie Rutani, VP of Operations here at Team Breakline, standing in for our inimitable CEO and founder, Bethany Coates. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting two amazing leaders from PagerDuty, the incident management platform for software developers, CEO and chairperson, Jennifer Tejada, and Chief People Officer, Joe Militello. Jennifer and Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Same. Awesome. Well, we couldn't be more thrilled to have you here. And before we dive into the conversation, Jennifer and Joe, could you please kick things off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves and your background? And Jen, let's start with you. Well, as you mentioned, I'm the chair and CEO of PagerDuty. I'm also on the board of directors for Estee Lauder and UiPath, which are both public companies. I grew up in a military family. Both my grandparents, my one grandfather was in the Army, the other was in the Navy. My father was in the Navy. My brother went to the Naval Academy and served in the Navy. So I am especially appreciative and respectful of those who serve our country. And I have somewhat of a non-traditional career. I started out my career at Procter & Gamble, learning how to brand manage and sell things like soap and diapers and peanut butter. And I find myself here some several decades later running a deep tech SaaS company, reasonably effectively, I think. And I think a lot of that comes from growing up in a family where the expectation is you do your homework, you come prepared, you show up every day prepared to make the day and leave the team behind better than it was when you got there, and that there is an expectation of servant leadership. And that has you know served me well for a long time. I love that. Joe, what about you? Uh, Joe Militello. I'm responsible for the people function here at PagerDuty, which encompasses all recruiting, talent development, our diversity inclusion efforts, our social impact team. You know, all of compensation and benefits. And I've been in tech for a little over 20 years. And prior to that, I was in the military. I was an infantry officer for four years. I have two brothers that were Marine officers, similar to Jen. One of my brothers went to the Naval Academy as well. I have a lot of cousins who are in the Marines, Navy, and Army. So, you know, similar values of upbringing you know, that, you know, Jen mentioned. 
That is so great. And in addition to both of you identifying with communities that Breakline serves, you're also both exemplars of one of the key cornerstones for Breakline, our tenant that excellence is transferable. Jennifer, you jumped to tech from CPG. And Joe, as you mentioned, you originally started your career in the Marine Corps. Could you share your thoughts about the benefits of approaching a new sector from an unconventional background? And in particular, how can we start instinctually viewing a unique path as a strength rather than a liability? And Jen, let's start with you again. Well, first of all, I think one of the things someone coming into an organization as an outsider brings is a beginner's mind. Mm. And you can teach someone the domain. Like I can teach someone about the developer persona, about what digital operations is or how incident response works. But it's harder to teach someone values, behaviors, and attitudes. And you know, we really look for leaders and individuals who are self-starters, who will champion our customers, who engender trust in their teams and the communities that they serve, who run together as one of our values, who bring the whole team along with them. And not only are willing to bring their own authentic selves, but enable others, empower others to bring themselves to the table. And, you know, by definition, the tech industry is not particularly diverse. And I think we have been successful because of the fact that we are intentional about inclusive leadership, because we bring people from all backgrounds, racial, ethnic, gender, age, you know, vocation, etc. And it helps us understand problems through a variety of lenses and solve those problems more effectively as a result. And, you know, being a woman in what has historically been a man's business world, being a liberal arts major from a state school in a deep tech company, I am kind of the flag bearer of those who are different in an environment that was historically very much the same. And that's been a competitive advantage, not a disadvantage for me. 100% couldn't agree more. That resonates so deeply with Breakline's approach and our mission. Joe, as the chief people officer, I'm sure that you have a lot to say on this topic too. Yes, for sure. And you know, veterans you know, making the case that this is a strength and a value add to organizations is often a challenge for military veterans. You know, Some roles are more easily explained to the private world, like, for example, being in the JAG Corps to a private law firm or being a pilot and maybe going and work for an airline. But there's other roles like similar to what I had in terms of a combat arms role. There are less of a straight line unless you're going into law enforcement. I'm not aware of too many Marines that, that are in HR. I certainly welcome more of them. And I would say that you know viewing this as a unique path is one of the values and benefits really of diversity of thought, right? Bringing together you know new ideas, right? Different ways of thinking. And at the same time, leveraging a new talent pool, such as our veteran community, you know, at a time where organizations are really struggling to find you know, enough people to fill their roles. You know, two steps that can have a big impact for veterans. You know, one is to like learn the translation vocabulary for the industry you're looking to work in. I remember you know, 20 years ago, I had to change my vernacular a little bit or at least adapt it so that it made sense in civilian terms. You know, and I think the, you know, some of the traits that veterans bring and other, you know, intersectionality, Jen was, you know, was referencing, you know, grit, right, mm-hmm. resilient, that servant leadership, problem solving, bias to action, right, ability to collaborate and work in a team. Like those are all really important things that we look for when we're building our 
leadership team and we're building our bench for our future leaders. And so, and while maybe not obvious to the outside world, because I, I hear some of these stereotypes all the time, is that I believe veterans can bring a lot of innovation and new ideas, right? They have to constantly adjust in the military. They have to adapt and think of new ways to approach a problem. And, you know, there's sometimes I hear the stereotype of military people that they are, they're just rigid and all they do is follow orders. And that is far from the case, right? They are some of the most adaptable individuals you know, in the world. There's a lot to be said for viewing folks for their culture ad, what they can bring to the organization and really leveraging those characteristics that you mentioned, the grit, the perseverance, and understanding that you can teach the rest. As Jen mentioned, the core skill sets to do the job are learnable. What you're looking for is the person who can jump in, roll up their sleeves and really add value from day one. And I know that PagerDuty just completed an in-depth exercise around purpose, vision, and mission. Would you be open to sharing some of the highlights from those conversations, in particular to the extent that they really illuminate PagerDuty's culture? Yeah, I'm happy to discuss those. I really have felt super fortunate to be in a company where I think the number one reason employees join us or prospective employees seek us out is because of our culture and our purpose. And it's funny because we hadn't articulated our purpose for you know more than the last six, seven years of our history. So I thought like, it's amazing that people come to PagerDuty and just have this sense of purpose and this sense mm -hmm. of culture and a deep belief that we truly have built a platform that enables people to deal with unpredictable, unstructured, sometimes emergent work in a way that doesn't disrupt their lifestyle, that enables them to do their jobs more effectively, and that frankly helps them deliver on their own company's mission, that people sort of, that our employees and even prospective employees understood that purpose and kind of had a deep sense of wanting to be a part of it. But we thought last year really articulating it would be important. And so our purpose now is to empower teams with the time and efficiency to build the future. And, you know, I really feel like I work better when I'm empowered to, you know, understand our mission, but then go off and figure out how to execute against it with my own gifts and my skills and my people. I don't want someone micromanaging me. And so I think empowerment is incredibly important. I don't think anything gets done by individuals anymore. It really is all about the team and how well you can build a complementary team comprised of different talents and different backgrounds and different experiences, and then enable them to work at their peak performance by giving them the tools and the systems and processes to do that. And so mm -hmm. automating some of the menial work to rise teams up to be doing the most important work, I think is mission critical. And, you know, frankly, we're always looking for ways to improve process and automate work to ensure that efficiency and productivity are at the forefront of everything we do. And we can now use things like AI and machine learning to do that. We also envision this equitable world where we transform critical work so that all teams can delight their customers. And, you know, in a digital world now, a one-way door that I think we walked through during the pandemic where consumers expect the digital experience, they expect it to be perfect, they expect it on demand when they want it. There's just a lot less room for error for the companies and the brands and the organizations that we serve. And there should be more access and more opportunity in a digital world, but that isn't necessarily the case. So part of our vision is to drive for equity in everything that we do. 
And that's a bold, bold statement. I mean, you know, we thought about that long and hard because I think there's the reality that getting that we're a long way off from mm-hmm. an equitable world, that that is a big job, that there will always be work to do. But I felt like if we didn't include equity in our vision as a company, then we would be missing a massive opportunity to drive systematic, programmatic change that I think is important for our communities and our employees. And then finally, our our mission is to revolutionize operations and build customer trust by helping these teams anticipate the unexpected in an unpredictable world. And, you know, that makes me think of veterans and moms, like who's more prepared to anticipate the unexpected and just deal with it? Who's more resilient Mm -hmm. and perseverant than the veterans who have served us or the mothers who are constantly having to deal with whatever, you know, their small children or medium-sized children, or in my case, you know, high school teenage children throw at them. So there are these skill sets that are super I think valuable to us that sometimes people underestimate. And like I said, I can teach you the domain. I can teach you what our product does, but I want people who are self-starters who will take initiative, who love the problem solving, as Joe mentioned. And I probably am the only CEO in tech that has a Marine as a chief people officer. And I will tell you, it serves us very well because one of the things Joe does bring to the company, in addition to being a highly empathetic leader, someone who deeply cares about our culture and cares about bringing out the best in our people, is also someone that knows how to build a playbook, knows how to make a complex process repeatable and scalable, right? And I suspect that's something he got some exposure to in the service, right? Why should we have to reinvent that process every time we run it? There should be a standard operating procedure. And that's something that I've seen him bring that's helped scale his team. Well, first, Jen, you are speaking my love language. We are thinking a lot about scalable and efficient and productive processes here on Team Breakline. You have been leading the charge, doing this alongside Joe within PagerDuty. You took this company public. I'm sure as you have grown and as you've scaled, you have encountered countless challenges. One in particular I'd actually love to dig into right now. When COVID hit, you were on a plane during a key moment of crisis, and you were physically unable to be with your team and had to rely on them to make important decisions in your absence, relying on the systems and processes that you put into place, but also diving into uncharted waters. Can you talk about the steps that you took to equip your team for this unseen moment of crisis so that they were empowered to take the lead in this incredibly critical moment? Well, I think it starts with hiring great people you know, with high integrity who you can trust, making sure that they have not only the skills to be successful and the experience to make good choices, that they are high judgment. So when they're under fire and have to make a tough decision and I'm not there as a sounding board, I can get comfortable that they're going to make the best possible decision with the information that they have. And that's really all I can ask anybody to do. It might not be my decision. It might be better, higher quality than my decision would be. You know, I mean, we always talk about like, oh gosh, how is someone going to work if you're not there? Like it actually might be better. (laughs) And so I have to hand it to my team. They work phenomenally well as a group. They rely on each other. There's a high level of integrity. There's a lot of open thinking. They're not afraid to take risks and make decisions, even if they don't have as much data as they would like. 
and just creating and fostering an environment where that kind of behavior and teamwork exists puts you in a very good position in the case of a crisis. And, you know, I think we've had more than our fair share of crises over the last couple of years. I'd also say that the stakeholder community that we now serve has broadened. You know, it used to be as a leader, you need to care about your customers and your employees and your investors. But now I'm responsible for, in some cases, the health and safety of my employees and their families, providing them with information to be able to take care of themselves, the communities around us, underrepresented, marginalized groups who have been unfairly impacted by the pandemic and by the associated economic environment around it. And so our team has a lot. They have a very large load to carry when it comes to managing just the stuff that's coming at us on a day-to-day basis. But when I've not been around and had to rely on the team to make decisions, honestly, I think if you asked our employees, did they notice the difference? They'd probably say no, because at any given time, any member of my team can lead this company. And I think that comes from depth, like building a deep bench. It comes from diversity. They would all lead a slightly different way than I would or than one of their peers would. But I think broadly, I trust each one of my team members to do what is right first for our customers, second for our employees, and third for our shareholders in those moments and make the best possible decision that they could that's aligned with our values. And that's what happens in these circumstances. Yeah, we certainly have had our crises over the last you know, two years. And you know, I think from a ability to move quickly, and I think this definitely is transferable from military and some of the other audiences, is while Jen is a leader that definitely invokes a lot of empowerment, the quicker you can go is when you're philosophically aligned with your team and your leadership. And right, and that's in the military, it's called commander's intent because you need to understand what you're trying to accomplish because you know, like the best laid out plans are going to change very quickly as soon as you start to implement them. And so as I've known over my last two and a half years at PagerDuty, the more, the quicker that Jen and I got aligned in terms of just philosophical goals and how we're aligned on the big items and the outcomes we're trying to achieve, then that allows the teams to move really, really quickly and some level autonomously, right? So you can decentralize the decision-making, decentralize, you know, the command and control for a military vernacular perspective. And also we leverage the right tools, right? We have redundancy in terms of communications in times of a crisis, so we can't get a hold of Jen. You know, there's multiple ways that we can try to get a hold of her or we just go with what we know. You know, we have satellite phones. We use our own product right? in terms of, you know, for incident response to be able to get to the right people at the right time, make sure we're executing on the right workflows and we have the right people you know, notified at the right period of time. So it's both in terms of your philosophy, hiring the right people, as Jen mentioned, but also having the right tools at your disposal. I love how both of you talk about your team. It's so clear that you're living your value of trust on a day-to-day basis. You can really hear that value in action. And it's a testament to the leadership of both of you, that the team feels that empowerment to really step up in the absence of one of their key leaders for whatever the reason. And in this case, being on a plane at a key moment of crisis during COVID. Jen, another thing that is so clear in how you communicate about yourself and your work in your team is just how humble you are. I've heard you refer to yourself in this conversation and in an earlier conversation as the epitome of average, which after chatting (laughs) with you for 20 minutes and learning about you, 
I and I'm sure our listeners couldn't disagree more. You took over the helm of PagerDuty from the founder, Alex Solomon, and those transitions can be really tricky. But to all of us outsiders and observers, you made it look incredibly easy. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your goals with that process and how you set yourself up for success. Well, first of all, nothing worth doing is easy. And that, you know, it's sort of a rule I live by. But second of all, I'm a big believer in honoring the past and the people who came before you for the success that they've had. And more importantly, in Alex's case, for the opportunity he created for me and for all of us, very few people have success in starting a company and getting it to 30 or 40 million in ARR without hitting a major wall. And Alex built a wonderful company on the back of a brilliant vision that I believe, you know, was the start of what we'll look back on as one of the great legacies in technology. And that, in my view, was something to celebrate. So this was less about a transition and the end of something or the beginning of something and more about a victory lap and the beginning of the next chapter for the company. And we're still in the single digit chapters as far as I'm concerned. I'm thrilled to still be working alongside of Alex. He's still on our board and more recently is the GM of our flexible workflow initiative. He just led the acquisition of Catalytic and you know, as a leader, there's probably nothing more rewarding than seeing someone who's been in a business or in a team for a long time become reinvigorated mm. around a new chapter. And that definitely defines Alex. But I'd also tell you that one of the things that made it possible for us to have a successful transition was his willingness to put the company's needs ahead of his own personal desires and ego and make room for a professional CEO to come in and truly have the autonomy to run the business. What you often see is a founder that holds on to really important, critical, strategic parts of the business and doesn't really make room for a CEO. And maybe that works in some organizations. I am pretty independent human being, so I knew that wouldn't work for me. And the second thing that I think was critical to our success is both Alex and I are pretty self-aware. So we each knew what our strengths and our challenges were. And Alex could articulate to me what he felt like he would need in a partner and the help he would need in a transition. He wanted to learn certain parts of the business more effectively. He was quite happy to hand off other parts of the business that he wasn't enjoying as well. And like I said, I knew that I needed the autonomy and the con, as they say, to run the business, to build a new board, to build a board that I thought could serve the business in the future, not just in the past. And that kind of freedom and empowerment has led to our success. And I think we both care deeply about maintaining the humility that's been a part of our value system and our success as a company. And so you know, when we went public, even though that was a huge milestone for the company, and I think it was the first time in a decade a woman had mm -hmm. taken a software company public on the New York Stock Exchange, it really wasn't about that. It was about closing another really important chapter for the business, but moving on to like building the IPO is like a wedding. And the day after it's like, okay, now we got to make this marriage work, right? So the party's over and you've got to go build a great business. And in that time, we've transitioned from being a brilliant single product company that developers have grown to love and rely on 
to pioneering the digital operations category, really helping customers anticipate and manage incidents more effectively and manage their brand proposition and their customer experience brilliantly. And now, you know, we see ourselves becoming the operations cloud for the modern enterprise where we bring together all the pieces that enable a modern company to not only manage their digital operations, but anticipate and deal with any kind of unstructured work using incident response, event management, and automation together in a platform where, you know, the sum is greater than the parts. And I still think that the category is nascent and it's early in our journey. And every day I find new challenges that I can get excited about, that I can get the team excited about. And I think we're better for having Alex in the journey with us than if, you know, we had sent him home on the first day. That's really great. And so amazing to hear your approach to this transition or this growth of this company. Joe, is there anything that you wanted to add here? I joined PagerDuty two and a half years ago, about five years after Jen joined. But, you know, Alex, you know, continues to be a critical part of the leadership team. Everything that you you mentioned earlier in terms of empathy and humbleness and just wanting to do the right things for our people and for our customers, Alex and the team, you know, laid that DNA, you know, a long time ago and Jen and subsequently me and other leaders, you know, just continue to just build upon that. That's awesome. So shifting gears here a little bit back to our topic of crisis, the Russian invasion of Ukraine represents a different type of crisis. And as you know, Breakline serves veterans and military spouses, as well as women and people of color. And our military community tends to be extremely stoic, even when they're hurting. Jen, how are you setting the tone at the top for responding to this crisis? And then Joe, I'd love if you could share some insight into how we can best support our colleagues who've served, especially those with experience in Ukraine. And then more broadly, how is PagerDuty helping support employees in Europe? You know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a multidimensional crisis, and I'm not sure we always talk about all of the dimensions. And Pager's duty absolutely stands united with the international community in condemning the violence against Ukraine that we're seeing. And while we don't have employees in the Ukraine, we have contractors there who we've ensured working through our partner are safe and continue to work with PagerDuty. We do not have material business in the region, and the PagerDuty platform continues to be available for customers in the region who use us in a secure and resilient way. But I think despite not having material business in either Russia or Ukraine, we felt it's been very important to stand with the Ukrainian people, to connect with our people who have family or friends either residing in the affected regions or serving in those regions, and to ensure that they're seen, that they know they have support from pager duty. And that support goes beyond, you know, the monetary and financial donations that we're making to a number of the relief organizations that are helping Ukraine or helping to address the refugee crisis, which I'll come back to in a minute but also just making sure that our employees understand that they work in a company where whatever they need, whether it's time off, mental health support, support in aid of their parents in the region, et cetera, that this is a company who is not only going to stand with them, but support them and troubleshoot and help them make sure they remain safe, that they can help their families. And so as recently as yesterday, I connected with all of our employees that have families in the region and the stories are heartbreaking 
from one individual whose parents are in a Russian occupied area. And while they've been able to arrange for a visa in another safe ally country, they actually cannot arrange for safe passage of that family. And we are unable to help them with that in a meaningful way either. So it's really about supporting that person going through what I believe is a personal crisis. You know, and crisis is is a very personal thing. Like every person is going to deal with this situation differently. I think not only helping people be seen, but making sure they understand that they have a voice, that if they need to talk about the challenges that they face during a crisis, or frankly, even if they're just burnt out. Like we have a lot of employees that experience languishing as the result of being on Zoom for the last two and a half years, or as the result of the impact of a pandemic. I think working in an environment where you can speak openly and honestly and bring your authentic self to work is super important, maybe more important than healthcare benefits in some cases. And being able to take the time off if you need it to refresh or take care of yourself is really important too. So PagerDuty has four-day work weeks once a month where our entire employee base takes the day off for a wellness day, usually on a Monday or a Friday. And we have two weeks during the year where we shut down the business so that all employees can completely disconnect from the business in the summer, one in the summer and one in the hemispheric winter. And those times are really about helping employees maintain their overall health, like thinking holistically about being able to bring their best selves and manage this new integration of work and life, you know, that we're all experiencing without the kind of traditional boundaries that we had in the past when we went to offices. Yeah, I think Jen said it well, so I'll I'll be brief. I do think though, if you are someone who is stoic and don't ask for help, like we want our teams to know, you know, that they're not alone, right? They are not the only and they don't need to deal with challenges you know, themselves, whether it's a personal challenge or a work challenge. And you know, we work really hard and saying we're perfect at it, but we try really hard to create an environment that, you know, cares deeply about our employees and that we show a lot of empathy because we want our employees to know that they have our support. I think some other things that we can do to support, you know, the community is, you know, lend your time, lend your time to coach, right? Whether it's a career transition, someone coming out of military or working mom or mom coming back into the workforce, like lend your time, right? Lend your privilege. Like there's a lot of things, you know, that you know we can do to support folks. And you're doing it in such a concrete, meaningful way. It's so clear that this is so well thought out that Jen, you really believe in these policies and this approach for the team. They're lucky to have you both at the helm. And well, thank you. And on any given day, they might disagree with you because (laughs) I can also be a big pain in the butt. But I think the best people are. (laughs) Joe, we're currently in what many call the great resignation with historically high numbers of people leaving the workplace and transitioning from one career path to another. So it's never been harder to find and hold on to great talent. How is PagerDuty and you as the chief people officer responding to these circumstances? And why should PagerDuty be top of mind for folks who are on the market and job hunting now? Yeah, it's certainly a topic we discussed frequently. And Jen and I you know, reference it, especially within tech, less about the great resignation, but more the great migration, because we're seeing a lot of talent move within tech versus leaving tech or, or leaving the workforce altogether, even though there are examples of that. But we see just like a great migration that's going on. And you know some of the things that we do. Part of it is we talked about it already. Is just inherent with our culture, and right? we are a people-first organization. 
whether that's our employees, our customers, you know, our investors, our partners, you know, and the community around us, which is very important. And you know, we talked about, you know, we are a highly empathetic, you know, company who cares immensely about delivering value for our customers and building trust with them and our employees. So we think that makes us a very attractive place to be. You know, we've talked about empowerment and right? we try to empower all of our people and all of our teams to make their work their own. We fundamentally believe that folks want, when they come to PagerDuty, we are a mission-oriented company. We absolutely believe that they want to come and make a difference. And we want them to take the lead. Take the lead is, is one of our core values. And we want everyone to feel like they can make a difference and have an impact. Two things I always tell new hires when they join is one is don't lose your new hire eyes. Like we want them to come in and identify problems. We have no pride of ownership at PagerDuty. Like we want them to come in and help make it a better place. And the other thing that I tell them, which usually is true more often than not, is when they look back, you know, even after three or six months, like I want them to see their fingerprints in the fabric of our walls, our virtual walls these days, right? You know, that they are actually able to make a difference and they are. And so some other things that I think make us attractive employers, you know, we have a distributed by design model, which provides pretty much maximum flexibility for employees in terms of where and how they get their work done. We put a lot of time and energy into make sure that our teams know their why and their purpose and why we exist as an organization and why their work matters. Even within the people team, I spend a fair amount of time even make sure like the generalist or the benefits rep or the comp analyst or the recruiting coordinator, they know that the work that they do, how it ties to the people strategy and the overall company. Right. And so making those connection points that like all thousand employees, no matter what your role, it matters and you fit in within the overall kind of objectives and what we're trying to accomplish as a company. Also, I think we have some pretty great benefits and as I mentioned, you know, a great culture. Jenna, that, you want to add to that? No, I think you nailed it. See, like I said, I'm not even needed here. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> it has been such a treat to chat with both of you today. And before we wrap up the conversation, one last fun question for the two of you. As you likely know, Ernest Hemingway is famous for inventing the six-word story. So if you had to encapsulate your leadership <laughs> advice into six words, which is an unfair ask, what would they be? Six I, I can go first. Go for it. <laughs> I let my boss think for a second. So my leadership advice I would give in six words, I would say, not about you, it's about others. That's great, Joe. <laughs> Jen, no one's counting, so it's okay if it's, if you don't limit it to six. I was actually going to say, it's not about you, it's about others, but that's seven. So. I'd say dream bigger than you think you need to. Ooh, these are both excellent. I love it. And great words to leave our listeners with today. So thank you all so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer and Joe as much as I did. And thank you for joining us in the arena. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the Breakline Arena. We're hoping that you're walking away feeling a little moved, a little inspired. And if you really had a good time, feel free to head on over, rate, subscribe, leave us a review. It does help us spread the good word, keeps these good vibes rolling. Yes, we would love to hear from you. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.